there are times in, uh, I think, in all of our lives, uh, especially I can speak to my own life, there are times uh, when I simply don't have the words to say. I don't know how to express to God what's going on in my life. I don't know how to express to God uh, my deep appreciation uh, for all that he's done. And as we, as I was thinking through this particular message, uh, there was no better place that I could think of to, to begin this message than a quick look at a psalm. The Psalms do an amazing job of, of helping us understand what's going on in our lives. And I'm always impressed with the timelessness of God's Word. Words that were penned centuries, thousands, millennia ago are still so true today. Still so very true. And so I invite you, if you have time, uh, to spend time reading the Psalms and, and noticing the realness, the, and at times the rawness, of what the psalmist write. And we read these words in Psalm 32, and it's incredibly appropriate for what we're talking about this morning. The psalmist writes these words, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin Yahweh does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Real quick comment. Upper 70s, lower 80s is not dreadful heat, folks. I'm just telling you that right now. When I was in Scottsdale and I would read this verse, I would sit there going, yeah, it's 116 degrees outside. I don't have much strength today, but back to this. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. And did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to Yahweh, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. What a magnificent start to a psalm. What a magnificent journey that the psalmist takes us on in a matter of five verses. You experience the freedom, the joy, the ecstasy of forgiveness, and then just as you're feeling all this joy and freedom and, and, and ecstasy, all of a sudden the psalmist then throws you this curveball and says, the misery, the anguish, the difficulty that I experienced when I did not confess my sin when I did not acknowledge my need for your forgiveness. The Psalms are so powerful. And the reason why the Psalms are so powerful, and frankly, the reason why God's Word is so powerful, is because God inspires this. God breathes His Spirit into this so that this document isn't simply words that are on paper. It's words that penetrate into the depths of our being. There's a reason why you can read a psalm like we just did and everybody in here can understand the depths of, of anguish and, the, jo- and, the, and the, the pinnacle of joy that the psalmist experiences when it comes to forgiveness. All of us have been there. Every single one of us have been there. And as we continue on in this Lord's Prayer series called Pray Like Jesus, 
we now come to this place in the Lord in the Lord's prayer where he deals with this particular issue. We read these words starting in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 he says this this then is how you should pray Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus, in the middle of this this prayer, of him teaching on this prayer, he says forgiveness is very important. And what's additionally important about forgiveness isn't simply the forgiveness that we experience from God to us, but the experience that we, that of, of forgiveness that we have towards one another. I invite you to turn in your Bibles a few pages to the right to Matthew chapter 18. And we'll be examining this story a little bit later on, but I want to get it all out there right now. Picking it up in verse 23 of Matthew 18, Jesus says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until the day he, until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Father, we pray now as we come into this time of looking at your word, we would pray and we do pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we could see. Open our ears that we may hear. Open our minds that we may understand. Open our hearts that we would be transformed so that we could be people of mercy and forgiveness. Lord, we confess that we struggle with this so much. And we ask now that your Holy Spirit would open us up so that we can understand this better and how powerful forgiveness can be. Lord, may no one hear anything that I say, but may they only hear what it is that you want them to hear, and that lives would be transformed by your Holy Spirit. And may you, Lord Jesus, receive all glory. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 
And so we come to this place where we're in this where we're in this prayer where Jesus is focused in for the very first time on the relationships that we have with one another. But a couple things to go over real quickly, and perhaps you could even call this a quick recap. And it's, it, I want us to consider the consequences of what Jesus Christ has laid out to this point in the prayer. He says this, that he wants, he wants his will, he wants the Father's will to be done. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. This prayer, the Lord's prayer, is not based on our will but it is based on the Lord's will. Why is that important for what we're going to talk about today? It's important because of this. Because it is the Lord's will that we're asking to be done, therefore it is part of the Lord's will that forgiveness happens. This isn't some new idea. It isn't something that God just said, yeah, I'm not quite sure about this. Let's take a vote. It's part of who he is. It's part of his will. He cannot not forgive. That's the type of God that we have. If you're here this morning struggling to believe that you can be forgiven, know this, it is God's will that you be forgiven. He enjoys forgiveness. He enjoys extending that. And another quick comment is this, as you look at the Lord's Prayer, look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this, he says, This then is how you should pray. I always wondered why he said, this is how you should pray. Well, then as you read through the Lord's Prayer, we come to this place of forgiveness. This is the reason why he says, this is how you should pray, and doesn't say, this is how we should pray. Why? Because Jesus Christ needs not, he does not need forgiveness. He's been perfect. He is perfect. He's the ultimate sacrifice. So when he says, this then is how you should pray, he knows humanity pretty well. And he says, frankly, you guys have issues. You need to come clean about this stuff. You need to come clean about this stuff. This then is how you should pray. And then to give us a timeline. Humanity has needed forgiveness since Genesis chapter 3. There has not been any period in in humanity's history where we can say, yep, we got this figured out, thanks a lot, we don't need to be forgiven. We need forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we crave. Forgiveness is something that is essential for us to have. And as Jesus lays this out and he says, forgive us our sins as we also forgive, our, forgive those who have sinned against us, or forgive us our debts as we, forgive, as we have forgiven those, our debtors. What he's driving at is this, is that he understands the significance of relationships. And over the course of the rest of this message, we will reach the following conclusion. I'm very confident of this. That Jesus Christ is the relationship expert. He knows relationships so very well. There's not a single relationship that catches him off guard. He knows these relationships, and he understands this, that for any healthy relationship to to happen, there are two components involved. One, it's the vertical component, meaning one's relationship between between themselves and God Almighty. That's the vertical element of this. And then he also understands this, is that there is a horizontal component to any healthy relationship. The vertical component being 
us between, between us and God, the horizontal component being between us and one another. He knows that there's no other way to have a healthy relationship than, than those two things working together. And it's interesting, I believe it's very important that, that we see that the way Jesus lines this out in this prayer. He says, forgive us our sins. He understands the importance of this vertical component because without the vertical, the horizontal is broken and will always be broken. And Jesus gets it. And it's why he does what he does here. He understands that that a good relationship, a solid relationship, is much more than the vertical. And it has his attention. It has his attention. And so he continues on and he says, as we forgive our debtors. He understands this, that once the vertical is resolved, the horizontal can be addressed. Are you here this morning carrying stuff in your life that you haven't experienced forgiveness for? Are you here this morning wondering if God will truly forgive you? Are you here this morning because you, you, you just felt prompted? It was, there was something uneasy in your life. You sat there and thought, man, something's not right here. I need to come to First Baptist Church of Salinas. Well, there's a reason for that discomfort. It's because you haven't experienced that forgiveness. And we invite you to experience that forgiveness, that forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. But is forgiveness, the forgiveness that we extend to others, is that really all that important? Is that really that essential? We get that we need to be forgiven by God. But do we truly believe that we need to forgive one another? I don't know if we do. I really don't. The reason why is it makes perfect sense that if I've received the forgiveness that I would extend it to others. But you look around you. You look at what's going on in this world today. The lack of forgiveness is deep. Oh, it's really deep. As a matter of fact, it's so deep that it causes significant health issues. Johns Hopkins University did a study on what happens to people who hold grudges. Listen to this. This is Johns Hopkins University. This isn't John Bosick's medical school. This is Johns Hopkins. They concluded this. People who hang on to grudges are more likely to experience severe depression, stress, heart disease, anxiety, anger, hostility, and diabetes. Now, you tell me, is unforgiveness a healthy way to go? This is Johns Hopkins coming up with these conclusions. They did the research, they saw what's going on in people's lives, and they said, this is not good. In a word, the consequences of unforgiveness are toxic. They are toxic. They ruin relationships, they ruin lives. And the longer we want to believe that it's okay to be unforgiving, it's okay that, they, that we come at people and we just say, this is what they deserve, you don't realize how much they harmed me. The damage is being done to us, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. 
So I invite you now to look at Matthew 18 as we dissect this story that Jesus tells. And, and Jesus understands the damage that is done when we don't extend forgiveness to others. And he illustrates this really well in Matthew 18. It's a, it's a story that I like to call the horizontal hazard. We get the vertical, but then we have this issue with the horizontal. Jesus has just been asked in Matthew 18, he's just been asked by Peter, how many times do I need to forgive somebody? And Jesus' response is, well, you need to forgive them 70 times 7. Now, there are some of you in here that are sitting there saying, okay, 490 times. So I can forgive this, I can forgive Jamal 490 times, but the next time he comes up to me and asks me for forgiveness, it's over. Right? And that's the type of relationship Jamal and I have. I'm just waiting for him to cross the line. I can't wait for it to happen. It can't happen soon enough. No, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He gives Peter this outrageous number because he just says, you need to forgive all the time. You need to have an attitude of forgiveness. So we pick up the story, and Jesus uses this story to illustrate his point. We pick it up in verse 23. It says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. In some of your Bibles, it might say 10,000 talents. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay his debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Let's stop there. 10,000 bags of gold. 10,000 talents. That equates to the following number. And you talk about significant debt. This is a significant number. In today's economy, in today's numbers, 10,000 bags of gold equals $10 billion. Let that sink in. First off, as I was looking at this, I'm thinking, what type of king has $10 billion to loan out to one person? You would think after they've defaulted on the loan at $1 million, you would have learned your lesson. But this king is foolish in his generosity. He keeps giving and giving and giving. And what does this servant do? He keeps spending and spending and spending. Ten billion dollars. Look, look at this. Verse 28. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. I will pay back everything. Be patient with me. How quickly did he accumulate $10 billion of debt? We are so delusional. When we don't realize that, the, that we don't realize the significant debt that all of us have. What I find fascinating here is the king says, hey, you owe me a significant amount of money. And this guy says, listen, be patient with me. I really will pay it off. 
Are you kidding me? Notice, the servant does not ask for debt relief. He doesn't say, please have mercy on me. He says, be patient with me. And I, and then it focuses right back on him, saying, I can take care of this. How often do you and I have relationships with other people where all of a sudden a wrong's been done and we've done something to another person and we say, we're going to make it right, we're going to make it right, we're going to make it right. And these wrongs continue to pile up. And we sit there and think all the time that I can take care of it. We focus in on this. This servant doesn't focus on falling on the master's mercy. The servant says, I can take care of this. There are plenty of people in this room, including myself at times, that believe that we can figure out our mess on our own. That yes, we're in incredibly deep debt, but we believe that we can do it on our own. Folks, $10 billion is not an easy debt to pay. And yet this guy thought he could do it. Verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Canceled the debt. $10 billion canceled. In an instant. In an instant. The king forgives the debt, not because he has to, but because he wants to, and he extends mercy, which is part of his will as the king. He extends this forgiveness. Can you imagine the sense of relief you would have knowing that you've been forgiven of $10 billion in debt? Can you imagine how much of a burden is lifted from you? Can you imagine what type of freedom you would have? We sang that song at the very beginning, I am free. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I didn't see any running or dancing, but but my point is, we're free to do these things. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we should be the dancingest, runningest people around. Because we're free. We're free because of Jesus Christ. This monumental debt has been paid. We should be jumping around, having a great time. For those of you that have canes, you should be waving them in the air. We're free. You can't help but think that this servant, you you want to believe that he he gets it, that all of a sudden he realizes, man, I'm free. This is going to be phenomenal. This is going to be a wonderful experience. And then we have that word, verse 28, but. We have that word, meaning what we think will happen is not going to happen. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. A hundred silver coins in today's market would be $17,000. This guy has just been, been forgiven $10 billion in debt, goes out, finds a person who owes him $17,000, and he says, you know what, my debt's been forgiven, I forgive you as well. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant 
fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Didn't we hear these words just a few verses ago? Be patient with me and I will pay it back. Be patient with me. Yes, I owe you $10 billion, but I can pay it back. Be patient with me. Yes, I owe you $17,000. I can pay it back. It's part of the way we operate. It's part of this belief that we can pay back our debt. That we can pay for our sin. It's part of that belief and, and what ends up happening. And it's so sad. He begs And verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Here's what's interesting about humanity, about you and I. One of the many things that's interesting about us is that we always underestimate our own wrongdoings and overestimate the wrongdoings done to us. We always do. I offend Jamal. Oh, He'll get over it. Jamal offends me. Oh boy, we're going at it. I love picking on Jamal. I don't know why, but he just sort of, it's just sort of fun to pick on. Forgive me. We'll talk later. Um, and especially in light of what we're talking about, you do need to forgive me. So there you have it. Um, but, but this guy, this servant says, I'm not going to forgive you. This guy is so wrapped up in the wrongdoings of $17,000 in debt that he cannot let it go. He then throws the guy into prison. He throws this man into prison. How quickly do you think this guy's going to be able to pay off his debt now? You see, unforgiveness has us do irrational, illogical things. We actually think that this person is going to be able to pay off the debt more quickly in prison? Not a chance. Lewis Smead says this in his book, The Art of Forgiving. He says this, Would it be fair to you that the person who hurt you once goes on hurting you the rest of your life? When you refuse to forgive, you are giving the person who walloped you once the privilege of hurting you all over again in your memory. Are there people in your life right now that have walloped you? Are there people in your life right now that have hurt you so much that there isn't a day goes by that you say, man, they wounded me, and I hope they're miserable because of it? Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be, to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. The destination of non-forgiveness, the destination of unforgiveness is always the same. Prison. Always the same. If you're harboring grudges against someone, if you have failed to forgive someone who's asked for forgiveness, if you've failed to forgive those who haven't even asked for forgiveness, you're the one that's in prison. They're not. 
you're the one that has placed yourself there. And, and, and this, is, this, this, this story is so powerful because it goes to the depth of what happens with non-forgiveness. It goes to the depths of what happens when we don't forgive others. And I would imagine when that servant that did not forgive, I would imagine he played the what-if game once he got to prison. What if I had extended forgiveness to my fellow servant? What if I had not been so foolish with the generosity of my master? What if I had lived my life forgiving others? The answer is this. If you had done those things, you wouldn't be in prison right now. And it would be great if this story wrapped up at verse 34. But it doesn't. Jesus says this in verse 35, and this is that verse that hurts. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let these couple comments or these questions or a comment and a question that I'm going to make sink in a little bit. Verse 35 seems to beg this question. If you can't forgive others, have you truly experienced forgiveness? It seems to beg that question. And then, as I was working on the message this week, this thought came into my mind, and it was this. Not forgiving someone is one of the most arrogant actions we can do. Why is it so arrogant? God extends forgiveness to this person, and we say, I'm not forgiving them. In essence, we take our opinion and place it above God. Now, I don't know about you, but any definition that I have of arrogance, it always seems to come back to your opinion being higher than God's opinion. Not forgiving is one of the most arrogant things we can do. And non-forgiving leads to all types of physical ailments that we talked about earlier. But the biggest ailment is this. It breaks down relationships. As I was working through Matthew a few months ago, I came to the Lord's Prayer and I came to this place where, it said, where, where we read, forgive, me, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, who, who... as we forgive our debtors. And I kid you not, I was stopped dead in my tracks. I said, Lord, I get this part. I get this vertical part. But I got to tell you, I'm really struggling with this part. The Lord stopped me cold right there and he said, John, you got to forgive. And all of a sudden, this list, I can't explain it, but a list of people began to come into my mind of people that I haven't forgiven. And it was overwhelming. And the tears started flowing. And I said, how dare me get up and proclaim the grace of Jesus Christ every single week and yet I've harbored grudges against these people. Well, the great thing is this, is that forgiveness can happen at any time. And I extend forgiveness to those folks and, and they're, they're, they're free to run now. They're free to dance in my life. 
Back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And, and what, how we want to wrap this up is this, is that there is then, because of this vertical and horizontal, when those things are working together, I like to call it the horizontal and vertical symphony. When it comes together, our relationship with God, informing our relationship with others, when we've received this forgiveness from God and we extend it to others, it creates this symphony that is so beautiful that the world can't help but say, wow, look at what's happened. Jesus knows the power of forgiveness. Forgive us our sins. He understands that. As we forgive those who've sinned against us. It is impossible to forgive someone in prayer than hold a grudge. It's impossible. The Lord's Prayer does not say, as we forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors who have apologized to us doesn't say that doesn't say that at all forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are in debt to us forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us it doesn't have a little conditional statement saying that they've asked for us to forgive there are people in all of our lives that have hurt us there are people in all of our lives that have wounded us and they're never going to ask for forgiveness it's reality The Bible speaks to that reality. And the Bible says, if you've experienced forgiveness from my Father, then you extend that forgiveness to others, whether they ask for it or not. And in the 144 years of history of this church, I know this to be true. That there have been things done and said to one another, and there are grudges that perhaps haven't even been resolved to this day. I look at my own life, and I shared just a few moments ago how difficult it was, and yet God continues to work with me through this, and he continues to do this. Why? Because he is transforming my life. He's transforming your life. And perhaps this morning is a day where you say, I need to forgive others. Forgiveness always involves the work of God. It cannot, it will not happen without him. So I'm going to walk you through this. The first is this. Forgive the person. Don't continue reclaiming the wrong done to you. Forgive them. Let it go. And it might mean that you have to let it go every single day, but you know what? Let it go. Forgive that person. And as you forgive that person because you've been forgiven in Jesus Christ, when you forgive others, the second one is this, then ask God to bless that person. And let me tell you, that's tough to do. Because once we say God bless this person, all of a sudden we're hoping good for them. And isn't that the way Jesus Christ operates? Isn't that the way he he could simply say, I really don't want to bless them, but yet he has been wronged more than anyone else, and he says, forgive them, they know not what they do. The third one, pray for that person. Pray for them. Pray that God will work in their lives. Pray that God will work in that relationship. And I realize that me asking you to pray for those who have hurt you and pray for, for those that perhaps you've hurt, 
It's not easy again. It's unsettling. This is why I said true forgiveness it always involves the work of God. Then the fourth one. Pray that that person can truly love others. That they would experience this incredible love that God has for them and that they would then extend that, extend that out in their own lives. And then lastly, and this is where forgiveness always comes from, thank God for Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that He gives. Because when we thank God for that forgiveness that He gives, when we thank God for, taking that, for, for making that sacrifice in Jesus Christ, what ends up happening is this, is that all of a sudden, us forgiving others becomes a no-brainer. Yes, it might be difficult, but God can walk us through this. I promise you that. In 2004, an Iranian woman by the name of Amane longed to be married. She longed to experience the joy of saying I do to a man. She had been dating this man by the name of Majid, but she had come to a place where she wasn't quite sure if, if, if he was the, the one for her. Well, Majid came up to her and made a marriage proposal to her one afternoon. She molded over for a couple days and responded to Majid and said, Majid, I love you, but I don't think this is going to work. And she said no to his proposal. It flabbergasted people because they thought this is a woman that it seemed like they had everything together, but yet, but yet, Amine, didn't, something wasn't right. She had seen his outburst before and she was unsettled by that. And so she said no. A few days passed and Majid confronted her on a street corner a few days later. He was wounded. He was hurt. And he decided that she needed to feel some pain. And so, he took a cup of acid that he was holding in his hand and threw it into her face, instantly blinding her and marring her face for the rest of her life. Witnesses had seen what had happened. They ran off and they told the authorities. The authorities went to Majid's house and arrested him. He went to trial. And at the trial and in the Iranian system, it's an eye for an eye retaliation. That's the way it happens. And at the trial, they concluded this that what he did was wrong and there would need to be a penalty paid. And the penalty was this, was that Majid would be subdued, anesthetized, and while he was under anesthesia, Amine 
would then drop five drops of sulfuric acid into each eye, permanently blinding him. The time came for that penalty to be paid. He was anesthetized. And Amini had the sulfuric acid in her hands. And she said to him, I forgive you. And she walked away. Majid awakens, fully able to see, fully formed in his face, no marring whatsoever. And he's in eternal debt to Amine. When we extend forgiveness to others, yes, it might be difficult, but there is nothing more powerful than the forgiveness that people receive when we extend it to them in the name of Jesus Christ. I invite you to do something this morning after we pray. You'll see that there's a cross here in front of me. We don't normally have that here. In your bulletin, there should have been a post-it note there on your, on, your, on your message notes page. I want you to peel off that post-it note, and this is what I want you to do. Because we've been talking about forgiveness, and I know that, that, that time, is, time is late, but I've got to tell you, when it comes to forgiveness, this is incredibly important that we walk through this. This cross isn't just some cross that, that doesn't have any significance. A number of years ago, the church was broken into, and this particular cross was used to break glass, was used to pry open things so that people could steal what was there. I was told this morning that, that there was a decision made to keep this cross to remind us of not only the heinous act that happened to this church, but also to remind us that no matter how heinous the act was, the cross still stands. Forgiveness still happens. So Heidi's going to come up in just a few moments, and she's going to play a song. The lyrics are going to be on the screen. I don't want you singing in the song. I want you to pay attention to the lyrics, and, and, as, and, and I hope you can multitask. I can't, so this might be a difficult task for me. But on that post-it note, I invite you to write down the name of someone you need to forgive, or in the name of someone who needs you to forgive them, or perhaps there's a sin in your life that you cannot believe that you have been forgiven. invite you to write it on that post-it note, and as Heidi's playing, to come up here and either put that post-it note on the cross or lay it next to the cross, at the foot of the cross, reminding us of the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Father, we pray as we reflect on this, on this message, on this passage, 
and we reflect on what's happened in our lives over the years, Lord, we confess to you that we have hurt so many people. And we've also been hurt by so many people. And Lord, we confess to you that we are really good at holding grudges. And we ask that you'd have mercy on us. Forgive me. Forgive me. And forgive all of us for not extending the forgiveness that you extend to us in Jesus Christ. So Father, as we hear this song being played and as we wrestle through this experience, may your Holy Spirit free us up so that as we have experienced the forgiveness that can only be found in Jesus Christ, that we would then also experience the incredible power of the freedom that comes through forgiving others. And the forgiveness that comes through having our sins forgiven. Holy Spirit, do your work. And I thank you for Jesus Christ and for the forgiveness that comes through him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Heidi's going to come up and I invite you to reflect, write down, and as you feel led, to come forward and place these at the foot of the cross.